Hello and welcome to the Plus One to Intelligence podcast. My name is Noah. And I'm Simeon. And today is episode one. I think we're going to call it Small Beginnings because we're going to be talking about dwarves today. What do you think about dwarves, Simeon? Uh, I don't know enough about them, that's for sure. Okay, very cool. I would say same, only because I'm not caught up enough on modern interpretations of dwarves, like the Game of Thrones dwarves to or dwarf, I should say, to really know much about them. But I, I do know quite a bit about Tolkien's dwarves. So we're going to start with him because Tolkien is literally the father of all like modern perceptions of dwarves, elves, orcs, like a lot of these fantasy races that we talk about, like he developed these races, right? And, and dwarves were probably, except for maybe elves, were the most impactful thing that Tolkien changed about um, mythical creatures. So when you are talking about a multiple, like uh, plural dwarves, how do you spell it? Is it D-W-A-R-V-E-S or D-W-A-R-F-S? So dwarves versus dwarfs. I, I'm i I'm a simpler guy. I like W-F-S. W-F-S? Okay. Makes it easy. Well, you're technically correct. I think Oxford, um, back in the day, wrote J.R.R. Tolkien and told him, you're spelling dwarves wrong in all of your books because he was spelling it with the V-E-S. And he said, no, I wrote the Oxford Dictionary. It's dwarves if I want it to be dwarves. So you're technically right, because in the dictionary, I think if you look up plural of dwarf, it is dwarfs. Um, and that's usually how we'd talk about like a person with dwarfism today. It's probably more dwarf or dwarfs, not dwarves. When we talk about dwarves, we're almost exclusively talking about Tolkien dwarves, uh, fantasy dwarves, maybe some D&D dwarves. Like We're not talking about like the old dwarfs, like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, that'd be dwarfs with an F. Um, and I, I think Tolkien did that just to be different and cool, um, which he did with a lot of his writing, but not a lot of people today know about that because Tolkien is now held as, as the standard, right? So like, if you're going to talk about elves or dwarves, you do it from a Tolkien standard, not from a, an old understanding of how dwarves and elves worked. So the old dwarfs, like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, were usually known in their stories as like a side character. It's it's kind of obvious because it's portrayed by their physical size, right? Like they're a shorter character to the main character. So it's like even just by dimensions, you immediately have this character that's set aside as a side character. And they're usually in small families if you see multiple of them at all. So like dwarves in the Norse myths, sometimes you'll see brothers and they'll be forging at a magical forge, make cool weapons and stuff for the gods. But they're, they're always a side character. If there's more than one, they're in a family. And they're kind of there for like their, how would you say it, like an oddity value. Like, like the dwarf in C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. The witch in Narnia has a servant, and he's a dwarf, right? And it's, it's not like he comes from a powerful race. Like there's nothing important about this dwarf except that He's short, and he's in service to this evil queen to kind of make her look cooler and more powerful, because where the hell did you find a dwarf to be your servant? And, and he's, like, way shorter than her. She's, like, this tall, evil witch queen, and he's, like, this spiteful little dwarf that drives the reindeer. Like, Yeah, it's interesting. It definitely adds, like, a layer of intrigue to the whole story. It does. It makes the queen seem more evil because she's taking advantage of somebody who's smaller than herself, and... Where did she find this odd person? And to begin with, like C.S.'s Lewis interpretation of dwarves or dwarfs is a much more traditional, I would say. Tolkien goes out there and and 
and he goes all out. Dwarves to Tolkien were their own race. Like they had powerful kingdoms, they built cities, they were known as like the best craftsmen in, in the world. Not as like the two dwarfs that work the magical bellows and, and anvil and blacksmith shop of the Norse gods or maybe the, even the Greek pantheon I think uses some dwarves. These are like hardcore warriors that like own land and stuff. Like they're formed in the beginning out of rock and stone and uh, they're built tough so that they can survive on Middle-earth. Dwarves have to survive with dragons, balrogs, and orcs as the only other living things on Middle-earth. So they're really just an evolution on, on dwarves. Like, it's this, the next generation of... Oh, dude. He like, takes... redefining a whole, a whole culture. Oh, absolutely. Tolkien just took the whole, like, the old concept of dwarves. He's like, we'll take dwarves, we'll keep the craftsmanship, we'll keep the, the pride that you kind of sometimes see in some of these dwarf stories, um... We're going to give them some main character vibes, right? And, and he absolutely does. They're, they're immune to, like, fire and cold and, and Middle-earth. Um, they're the only, like, race that can fight dragons, usually because, like, the dragon fire won't burn them up. And there's, like, some quirky things like that, and it's like, wow, dwarves are, like, hardcore, right? Even in Tolkien's stories, it's weird. They become a side character because it's the high elves and men that come in rid the world of darkness and like make middle earth a better better place like the dwarves build fantastic cities and stuff but all they're doing is mining gold making weapons and trying to stay out of everybody else's hair like the dwarves are more known for creating a powerful city and then locking it up and hiding away from everybody you know they definitely feel like a very powerful entity in the stories though and i, I still feel like that's a great departure from how they were previously depicted that's true I think Lord of the Rings is probably the first time you have a dwarf come on a quest, right? And that would be the Hobbit. You have Thorin, um, the king, or the son of the king, and the twelve dwarves that go on this quest with Gandalf the wizard and, and the Hobbit, uh, Bilbo Baggins, as their thief. And you actually get a whole story that's like dedicated to like dwarves doing something cool. And I think that's probably the first time we see that in like uh, fantastical literature and then again in the lord of the rings trilogy dwarves aren't as important there but you get gimli right he's part of the fellowship he helps get the ring to mount doom without gimli there the fellowship's down a man they don't win some of the fights that they end up winning aragorn gets killed at helm's deep type stuff happens without gimli and, and it's like he's very important um and gimli is i think he creates the last like dwarven kingdom according to tolkien but it's weird even tolkien i think kind of bows to the whole dwarves are a, a side character because dwarves by the end of um, his books are kind of like fading in existence like all the powerful great dwarf cities like moria have fallen to like the balrog and the goblins that inhabit there now and gimli starts the last dwarf city but even it eventually fades um into the age of men and it's like it's strider aragorn who ushers in the age of men the high elves leave, the dwarves fade into obscurity, and it's like just men left on Middle-earth. It's almost like a weird downgrading of Middle-earth as time goes on, which is a very Tolkien-esque, like you don't think of things getting, well, I don't know, do you, do you think of things getting worse like all the time in, in stories? Like things were probably better in the past because there was magic and dragons and crap and none of that ever exists in the, in the future? Or It's now. an interesting way to look at it for sure. I think a lot of people look at the past very fondly because they have better memories of the past and they don't realize how, you know, how rough it can be. That's that's true. There's a, a walk down memory lane, rose-colored sunglasses when we look backwards. I definitely think rose-colored glasses is playing a part here. Um, I think that 
to grow things have to something has to die right there's yeah. there's limited space and oftentimes just uh outdated technology cultures or ideas right so like as the story goes on does it get worse or does it just change into something new that's that's kind of hard to determine because if you're looking for like fantastic creatures and like epic adventures yes it's getting worse like things are becoming more tame on middle earth as time goes on right and and there's multiple indicators of that so the high elves they leave at the end of the war of the ring like they just step into boats and piss off like they're gone and after that the only elves that are left are like the wood elves which is a conversation for another day but like they're weaker chose a different path from the high elves and they never really had kingdoms in middle earth and they just like the dwarves fade into obscurity after the high elves leave and kind of like the age of men comes into being if you're talking about elves dwarves dragons like all the cool magical stuff that happened like at the beginning of the lord of the rings like we're fighting balrogs and like we're we're, we have wars with dragons where the dragon is so big when it falls out of the sky it crushes a whole mountainscape like it's an intense and by the end of the lord of the rings it's like yeah and then men took over and it was just dudes walking around on earth sauron isn't even the big bat he is the captain of the hosts of melkor's army basically he's the first captain like by the time that the age of men is coming around middle earth is like melkor has already been defeated sauron is just left because he was sneaky and didn't get thrown into the abyss with him and so the lord of the rings is cleanup like we're getting rid of sauron he's not even the big bat he's He's the guy who was the captain of the host and somehow managed to survive afterwards. Yeah, I mean, isn't the point of conquering the frontier to create a better life for you and future generations? So, like, taking down Big Bad, the end of these, like, quests and the lone ranger, I mean, they're heroes of a, of a bygone era, aren't they? Because yep. when it really comes down to it, I think the idea of conquering the frontier is to make that better life, right? Mm-hmm. So... While a certain chapter is coming to an end, I think that we aren't progressively getting worse, per se. We're just losing some of the good things of the past and trading them for luxuries of, of now. That's, I think, as like a life philosophy, you're probably right. I am not convinced that that's what Tolkien was going for in his books. And I wonder if that's because he was a, a veteran of World War One. I. I mean, one of the most devastating wars that humanity has ever inflicted upon itself i think that just the way the casualties were happening in the first world war it was such a war of attrition and especially in in like trench warfare such a war of like of mental stamina oh yeah it's just literally hundreds of dudes jumping out of a trench and running across no man's land already filled with craters poison gases in use during world war one like just insane stuff and and they're just running to get mowed down by a machine gun that was deeply impactful on Tolkien and he saw like what humanity was coming to was like incredibly evil I don't know that he was necessarily retreating into the middle earth world that he created but there's probably an aspect of that where he wanted something to be better and like in a battlefield where everybody dies to a machine gun fire he wanted a war where you could strap on some armor and fight man to man and maybe survive there's definitely something very chivalrous about the idea of using swords in combat. It's true. Yeah. And I feel like that uh, that kind of idea was almost lost. Like, the last war, I felt like that was a concept. Uh, World War II in aviation specifically. 
Yep. I feel like the the aerial combat in World War II was kind of the end of the chivalrous era. Like we have the Red Baron song that's sung around Christmas time about like the First World War, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Snoopy and the Red Baron. And I feel like the this was really kind of the end of an era. And that aerial combat of that generation was like the last time that war really had a uh, like this honorable feel to it. Now it's yeah. very very hide and shoot and let special forces take care of it. If you don't have air support. What's it even worth? Air support anymore? artillery does the majority of combat now. Yeah. Um, and we've switched away from. I mean, World War One was was horrific. We had we had chemical weapons, uh, phosphorus, and we've tried to move away from all of that. There's a lot of rules of war now that we're supposed to follow to try to keep things just like more fair. Humane. I mean, back in the day, we had lines of men shooting muskets at each other, and that was just kind of like how wars were fought. Very very bravado. Right, and you'd think like two lines of men firing muskets at each other on an open field like you'd think casualties would be incredible but when you look at the numbers and percentages it's like pretty much the same as when lines of men strapped swords and shields to themselves and were physically fighting each other face to face right casualties are pretty low and it's kind of just whoever decides to retreat first is like the loser like i don't know yeah the evolution of like the honorable confident fighting i feel has changed a lot because it used to be like this idea of being tactical and advantageous and never in a fair fight that was very frowned upon because the whole idea of combat was very like kind of almost romanticized Mm -hmm. and now we've fully evolved into like taking every advantage you can if you you can't be seen don't be seen you know like right it's like well because maybe it's not honorable but at least you're alive you're you're alive and you're winning and (laughs) every war is fought like that now it's all guerrilla tactics and well, and maybe that's why the dwarves don't make it as a race to Tolkien, right? Like, what do they do? They build huge cities underground. They build the best armor and weapons, and then they just hide there. And they wait for, like, people to come to them. Like, I think two or three of the great dwarf cities in Tolkien's lore get attacked by dragons. And that's how they're finally, like, driven out. And then the other city, Moria, they dig so deep while hiding in their cave, they unleash a demon, the Balrog. And that's what kills the dwarves. Like, dwarves don't go out and fight wars honorably against other races for land and treasure. They go hide in a mountain, amass a ton of wealth, hoard it greedily, and then a dragon comes along and is like, I want that. And then burns everybody. Like, (laughs) it's 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 a a very Swiss kind of a a way of thinking. Yeah. Um, Swiss. Yeah, they're they're historically very neutral. Neutral and, zone, yeah. Um, not only are they neutral, but they also have one of the largest tunnel networks and underground defense systems. Yeah. Um, they actually build a lot of their bridges and infrastructure with explosives in it, ready to detonate in the case that they are invaded, so they can completely shut down invading infrastructure. Um, <laughs> Just like <laughs> it's a very it's a very kind of like similar to dwarf tactics, and yeah. Although historically, the Swiss were also uh, notorious mercenaries. That is true. I think it was Swiss mercenaries that were hired by, like, the Pope to guard him and, like, the Catholic Church. Um, I think when the Ottomans sacked a certain city, it was, like, the last line of defense for the religious leaders in that area was a hundred Swiss guardsmen. There's, like, a... I think Sabaton does, like, has a song about the Swiss guard during that battle. And, like, very strong fighters, but not for their own country. Like, they just... They're hired for, for profit and don't really expect to go into a fight because they're the rear guard and kind of interesting so dwarves is like side characters like they have the potential to be a main character i I don't know because like 
I yeah, I almost wonder. I mean, they do feel very main charactery in um, a few stories. I mean, uh, Marvel has a, a dwarf that creates Thor's uh, Thor's hammer. Um, but yeah, so but he's not a main character. He's just the guy who knows how to light the forge to make the cool weapon that the hero, the main character, uses to like. I guess he's not a main character in in the way of like the story revolving around him. But I feel like he's a very very impactful, important character. I feel like there's a lot of shows where you like you have a character who does something that's important but they're very forgettable yeah i feel like he's not at all forgettable he's like if you showed me a picture of him like next to many of the important characters or the main characters of the cast like i would definitely feel like he fits there right yeah like he's very integral to the story i I don't know i'm not sure that i agree with that because i forgot that a dwarf even made the axe (laughs) that thor uses until we were like coming up with ideas for a podcast episode and we we're like dwarves like what is there with modern literature and surrounding dwarves i mean okay uh, and then he definitely came to mind first for for me really okay uh, see i had to think about it a, a big i don't know I, I mean maybe it's just the whole idea of the forge and, yeah and being able to make mythical weapons to be wielded by by gods that's in the, yeah, in that's the story fair. not everybody has that ability yeah okay. it'd be interesting to see I mean, I mean, with how many stories we're making, it, it, I'm not going to be surprised if they do end up doing like his own like mini series or episode or movie or something <laughs> about the dwarf. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's that's a just lot the of guy that made the magic weapons. Okay, that's well, there's fair. a lot of that's lore fair. there because it used to be that whole forge used to be filled with dwarves, and then yeah, and um, he's the Thanos came there, thing. killed them all, put his hands in iron, right? Yeah, turned his well, yeah, I think dipped his hands in iron. And horrible story for him, but absolutely, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know, because I'm thinking of, like, so Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, right? Like, we all know that there are dwarves in that story, but the only reason the dwarves are important is because Snow White lives with them while she's fleeing from the queen. Like, it really should have been Snow White and this evil, and crazy evil queen. queen with the magic mirror that wants to kill her because she's pretty. Like, it should be Snow White and the queen, not Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. The dwarves are just there to, like put her body in a glass casket until a prince comes along to kiss her weren't they also minors i feel like they were oh yeah i think they were like little craftsmen as well like they went out into the woods and they built stuff and mined stuff and okay yeah i I see your point though because they they're all introduced with their own like special names oh they each have like a personality trait based around that name absolutely but yeah they don't really come off as like main characters they're definitely like absolutely not we remember them because like grumpy like, you don't remember him because he's, like, a cool character that you'd want to know. You remember him because his name is literally his personality. It's very that's, easy and straightforward. It. Oh, yeah. For that story that's focusing on, like, Snow White and an evil stepmother, witch queen wants to kill her over beauty, like, awesome. Dwarves are side characters in that, for sure. It's like the role of dwarves in all media is to be the side character. Marvel, they're making the cool weapons. Lord of the Rings... There are more dwarves in Lord of the Rings, and they do some cool stuff. Like, in The Hobbit, it's about a lot of dwarves. But, like, even in The Hobbit, there's more dwarves than any other characters in The Hobbit, or main characters. But the story is really about Bilbo, just this random hobbit who comes along. Like, the dwarves don't even kill the dragon. They run away, hide on the side of the cliff. The dragon, Smog, gets mad that he can't find him, goes out and starts burning stuff. He gets killed by Dale. The guy's name is Dale. and He gets killed by a random archer who just lives in the town and was, like, <laughs> pretty unknown to all of us until he, like, kills the dragon. And then he's, like, a cool guy 
the town like gets some of the gold from the mountain they turn into their own like human kingdom and then like dale is now a powerful kingdom after that isn't he the guy who takes the shot with the, the mounted crossbow from the tower yeah so if you watch the movie he takes the shot with like a mounted crossbow from the tower i think he like balances it on his son's shoulder and people were like laughing about that because like it'd be easier to just use the stones behind him but yeah sure put it on the kid's shoulder in in the book he is shooting at smog with just a regular bow and arrow and he's down to his last arrow and it's like this black barbed arrow that his dad handed down to him and he draws back the bowstring and it's all dramatic and tolkien goes off on a rant about the black arrow and where it came from and then he releases this black arrow into the one chink in smog's armor yeah he's missing a scale in his chest is he not in the movie i think it, it is a scale i think in the book it's just that he had encrusted himself so heavily with golden diamonds between his scales there was like one scale where there weren't gold gems and all this like treasure blocking the little crack between the scales and so he actually slips it between two scales in the book and then it's like actually a, f- a full-on missing scale in the in the movie but yeah no smog in the book like there's literally gold and gems all blinged stuck out duck in his scales to protect him from arrows i feel like that would have been really cool to see in the movie oh absolutely and but then you can't do that. the gold bath scene where they melt yeah. all the gold and pour it on him and then he like spins and it all flies you know like and and how do you move with, with gold that much coins <laughs> stuck to your skin? One like, of the heaviest materials. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the whole Tolkien concept of like the golden crested dragons, like taking it a little bit too far. But smog, dude. One of the legendary fire dragons or fire drakes, if you want to be Danish about it. Danish. Yeah, yeah, dude. So much of Tolkien's lore comes from like Danish folklore and and stuff like. So the dwarves are famous as being weapons makers, right? What do they make? They make chain mail and they wield axes, which is like a hella Danish thing to do. Like, so Hastings back in the day, you know that that tapestry that shows the Battle of Hastings? And it's like the Danes versus the Normans. Everybody in that tapestry is wearing metal helmets, uh, round helmets, chain mail, and they're all swinging axes at each other. The dwarves are, are known in Middle-earth for, like, wielding battle axes as their main weapon. And I think that's, like, part of the utility of dwarves. Like, we like we know that they're warriors, but we also think of them as craftsmen first. And the battle axe as a weapon kind of symbolizes that, because an axe is just as good at chopping wood and being more of a utilitarian-style tool than it is just a straight-up weapon. And the dwarves using that as a main weapon is, like, kind of shows their utility as dwarves which is definitely a a big kickback to like norse dwarves where the dwarves that made mjolnir in original norse mythology i don't think they ever left the forges like they made this hammer and they made some cool trinkets and stuff but they just chill at the forge and, and that's like their whole role in the story they like they do all this stuff that's critical to the story and then it's like yeah we're just we're just forge guys we don't really care about anything else but they're super prideful about it if you if you tell them that their stuff is bad kick your butt yeah i think the the dwarves in that story had made a deal with loki about the quality of the goods that they could produce and so they are the ones who sew his lips shut it's very interesting stuff yeah i feel like we were all over the place with this like talked about tolkien talked about snow white talked about norse mythology and then norse mythology is heavily influenced or influential to marvel yeah dwarves are they're kind of everywhere but it's weird they're like this ubiquitous side character that everybody knows about and loves but 
you're only going to turn him into a, a main character when you're like running a D D dwarf it's like yeah i want to be a cool dwarf yeah like you know that as a race they're pretty sweet they get some stone cunning stuff and everybody thinks it's cool but then it's like yeah all the main characters like actually do stuff so we're gonna have to do something with this guy to make him cool can't so, just have a cool person yeah in lord of the rings we talked about them getting main character vibes but it's almost like they're getting bigger like more important side character vibes Oh, yeah. Dwarves are far more important as a side character, I think, in any story that you find them in. Lord of the Rings included. It's still a solid evolution on the previous idea of what a dwarf was. Oh, oh yeah, don't get me wrong. Side characters are not. Lord of the Rings dwarves are, like, intense. Like they Very hardcore. Very hardcore. They're only getting unseated by, like, dragons and stuff. Very cool, but even in Tolkien, where they get the ultimate reboot, they're still kind of like a side quest. Go hang out with the dwarves. Yeah. Well, hey, it's uh, it's been a good conversation here. Um, definitely lots to talk about. Yeah. Lots to explore. I mean, fantasy, sci-fi, modern television, dude, they all use this these tropes. I'm excited to start diving deep into some of these things and just seeing where the conversation leads. Um, for those of you at home who are listening to us, thank you for sticking through all the wild and wacky turns that these episodes are going to go through. And... Uh, can't wait to get you another episode next week. Uh, for now, this is Noah and... And Sim. And we'll be signing off on the Plus One to Intelligence podcast.